as announcements. Uh, next Sunday, we have the Castanos here. That's always really good. Um, Nora, y'all want to do the meal thing tomorrow, uh, next Sunday? Is that, is that good? So, so let's do the meal thing. They, they always love the way we cook up stuff. Cause we're good cooks around here. That is for sure. So y'all do what you do. And, uh, we'll have a, we'll have a meal after the morning service. They always bring stuff. These guys are very gifted. Do you realize how blessed you really are? I mean, honestly, how do we end up with people like that coming here in Andrews? You know what I'm saying? And there's a litany of people who we can just name them that are amazing people of the Spirit. And they've come here to bless you. There must be something that God wants to do in this place. And I think he's doing it. So uh, if you haven't uh, found a place yet to uh, participate in all that we're doing as far as moving the church from this place to the, the next one, find some people around here that are doing it and get involved. I think you're going to find yourself so blessed. It's exciting to see what God is doing. Very much exciting. You know, at the, uh, at the beginning of the year, uh, God gave me a prophetic dream and a word for the for the year. Um Let me first preface it with this, just uh, something you've heard many times before. Thank Al Halton for this. But the word is times and seasons. Two words uh, in the Greek. Times and seasons. And the Greek words are chronos and kairos. And chronos is a, a, a fixed amount of time, usually a generation, like 40 years. It can be longer. It can be a thousand years or two thousand it's a it's a long period of time we usually measure it by generations and so it's 40 years in most cases within that time frame that fixed period of time you have what they call kairoses and there are moments in that time frame where god does something if if a good way to think of it is like weeks and days a week would be a chronos and every day of the week is a kairos. You know, what God does within that week. Chronoses and kairoses. And this year, this time, this general time frame, marks the end of one chronos and the beginning of another. A new generational time frame. And so we see it like with entering into the promised land. One generation died in the wilderness, and another generation entered in. It was a chronos change. Forty years in the wilderness. Enough time for all the old folks to die. And then the younger ones with the new chronos entered into the promised land. Well, we're in one of those chronos changes. And the number 20, 2020, actually kind of signifies that. The number 20 itself means the completion of a waiting period. A perfect, complete waiting period. Okay, so when you hit it, something is over and something new begins. And so at the beginning of this year, I mean like the last Sunday of, of uh, 20, uh, 2019, uh, God gave me a dream and a word. And that word was that 
mainly for some of the older people, that God was going, he wanted you to pray for um, an extended length of period for the rest of your life. Because in the the extended period, he is going to fill it with the wonderful works of God. Because many of you have never really seen that. And he did this, he said this, so that you would have hope in your latter years. That you should hope to see promises fulfilled that have yet to be fulfilled. Okay? They've been laying out there for years. And he says this to me. Uh, Tell them, you have been with me all this time. Therefore, fullness can come. Fullness. It's time for fullness. And fullness kind of matches 20 as well. It literally means completing something. Completing it. Just like the word 20 means a complete period. So fullness can come because you've been faithful. All right? That was kind of the genesis of the word. Now, we have finished a chronos, like I said earlier, and now we're beginning another one. And I want you to see how this works uh, by just a general teaching on, on chronos and chronos. Look at Galatians. Galatians 4. Galatians 4. Verse 4, it says, But when the fullness of time, chronos, when the fullness of the chronos had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son, into your hearts crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, and then an heir of God through Christ. So let's go back a little bit. When the fullness of the chronos had come. Fullness. Now, what chronos are we talking about? This is a long chronos. From the time, we could say easily from the time of Moses... Until the time of Jesus. We could easily say that. We might even stretch it from the time of Adam to the time of Jesus. But at least what it's alluding to here is the law as a part of a previous chronos that we were being taken from and put into a new one. So that chronos was a long period of time, shall we say. A long period of time. Thousands of years. So that it shows you that a chronos can have lengths of time, and then within that there's other generational chronoses. But when f- the fullness of that chronos came, God changed it. The way we deal with God changed that day. It had never been the same. Never been the same. He sent forth his son. Now, it's kind of interesting that what happened here was a f- complete working of the trinity. God the Father sent God the Son and filled us with the God the Holy Spirit. So things changed. Prior to this, we had bits and pieces of, of the Godhead. But now the whole Godhead is sent for this chronos, this rest of the years. All right? Now, 
this has been an issue for some time. Look over in Acts chapter 1. The word fullness there is the word pleroma. It means a completed time. A time that has been fulfilled. So that time before Jesus was fulfilled. It was over. And now we're into the time of the New Testament. The chronos of the church. The longer chronos, which is the church chronos, the church age. Within that we have these generational chronoses. And I am of the impression that we may be entering into the last one. The last chronos. When Jesus came and died, on the day of his resurrection, he gathered his disciples together. He came back together, and he ceased to ascend. So he's been down here for like, like 40 days or something like that, showing, showing evidence that he indeed was raised from the dead. And now it's time for him to go back to the Father. And in Acts 1, he gathers his, his, his 12 and some others. In verse 4, it says, being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. There's a baptism involved. Holy Spirit baptism. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this chronos time restore the kingdom to Israel? And this gets this response from Jesus. He said to them, it is not for you to know the chronoses or the kairoses which God has put into his own authority. But you, verse 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So in this last work of God, one thing is for certain. It is big time witnessed to by the Holy Spirit. His work will be paramount. And he will give the power to us to do whatever it is that we're supposed to do. And part of what we're called to do is be the witness to it all. My life should be a witness to the fact that the Trinity has come upon my life. Okay? So that's that's where they were. Now, he said, all I want you to do is just wait for it to begin. Not too many days from now, he says, it's going to come. What's killing me or what's amazing me is it seems like this church move is sort of tracking this same calendar as these guys were on. Okay? Jesus was killed on Passover, Easter. That's not too far away. And then they had to wait until Pentecost, 50 days, before this promise, this Holy Spirit thing came, and it began the church age. Okay? I'm really hoping that we can do our commemoration service, our our coronation service, whatever we're going to call that thing, over there on the day of Pentecost. Because to me, it's such a statement that what God's going to do here at the end is an explosive work of the Holy Spirit filled with the wonderful works of God that only the Holy Spirit can do. Amen. That's what I believe. And I, I mean, I, I really see other ministers catching this vision. And everybody's excited. I tell you, from the ministry side, everybody is excited. They can feel it coming. They believe it. 
They're kind of shaking themselves off from unbelief and, and all the, the t-shirts that they have purchased along the way of, you know, disappointment and shame. No, no, no. We're coming into the big stuff right ahead of us. Look at chapter 2. We'll see it actually come. Chapter 2, so 50 days later. When the day, first one, the day of Pentecost had fully come, fully, fullness, it was now here. They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. So talk about fullness. The whole place was full of this rushing mighty wind. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire. And one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So there's one element of fullness in this last time. The fullness of the Holy Spirit. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. What happens when you are full of the Holy Spirit? Stuff happens. Miraculous stuff. They all began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So when the fullness of the Spirit hits you, Something gives. When he shows up in you, something happens through you because he's in you doing it. Keep reading. And there was dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. You have to kind of understand the way it was in those days. Israel had been abolished from being a nation, you know, several hundred years by this time and dispersed all over the world. But on these big priest, high feast days like Passover, like Pentecost, like Tabernacles, they would all gather back together again and usually at Jerusalem where the temple was. And so there was usually over a million people in that little town in those days. So there's over a million people from all over the world that had been there for generations in other that land, so they had learned German and French and naming uh, language. All these languages they had adopted as their own. And they come into this place, and all of a sudden, here comes these yahoos out of this room. Kind of reminds me of y'all, yahoos. And all they hear each one of them speaking my language. They're all speaking my language, or your language, or that guy's language. And they said, we all hear it. Then they were all amazed, verse 7. And marvel, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each one in our own language in which we were born? Parthenians and Medes and all those ones. 9 and 10. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, verse 11. Cretans and Arabs, all these languages. We hear them speaking in our own tongues, get this, the wonderful works of God. So the, the, uh, the new chronos, the church age, began with them speaking by the Spirit, and what were they speaking? The wonderful works of God. That's what those languages were, were for, is to speak into everybody's ear about the wonderful works of God. That's what I got in a dream. Can you believe that? I got that in a dream. The wonderful works of God. 
Wow. I like that one. So what, to me, it's like, you're going to do that again. You started it with people speaking about the wonderful works of God. You're going to end it with people speaking about the wonderful works of God. And what will they be saying? What they have seen. Because they're witnesses to it. We're moving in that direction. And man, I just blows my mind. I've been waiting for this my whole life. It's great. And of course the people respond. Verse 12. They were all amazed and perplexed. Saying to one, to one another, whatever could this mean? And others mock said, <clears throat> they're drunk. They're full of new wine. And then Peter goes on and says, no, it's not. They're not drunk. It's only two o'clock in the afternoon or something like that. Too early to be drunk. Except for some of y'all, you know, y'all can do it anytime. So no, it's not that. What you're seeing is what Joel prophesied, God, 600 years ago. Talking about fullness. A prophecy was fulfilled 600 years later. They're not drunk. God has taken over. And they're speaking about the wonderful works of God. And you are witnesses to that. So there's one example of fullness. It's the fullness of the Holy Spirit. But it doesn't end there, folks. That's just the start. Look in Ephesians chapter 3. Verse 14. For this reason, Paul's writing, I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge so that you may be filled with the fullness of Father God. So we have the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We have the fullness of the Father. That one's through knowing the love. And the next one, Obviously, it's got to be the fullness of Jesus. Look in chapter 4. Verse 13. Until we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. All right. So we have the fullness of the Holy Spirit. The fullness of Father God and the fullness of Jesus the Son. The Trinity itself. Each one brings with him a work of the Godhead. And God wants you to have it all. It's amazing. Keep reading though. 14. That we should no longer be children. Tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine. By the trickery of men. In the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But, speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things unto him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, 
according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Hmm. So he's kind of hinting about something here, right? That the fullness thing is all directed to you. There's something about you that this is for. It should not leave you the same ever again. In fact, if you look over Ephesians 1, he brings out our part. Our part. Every one of these is pointing to us. The fullness of the Father has to do with being loved by Jesus. I mean, all of it has to do with us. And when you see that in Ephesians 1, there's a, Paul got this by revelation. I mean, he went to heaven, third heaven, and got all this stuff that blew him away. In fact, he was sent a, a messenger of Satan with a thorn in the flesh just to remind him, you are still flesh, hot rod. Because of the greatness of his revelation, he was, he was, he had to deal with this stuff. And, but he saw it and he wrote about it. And, and here he writes about it. He says, I, uh, let's look, uh, Verse 16, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Here's his prayer. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So when he's praying here, he is praying that you will find out something that you do not know. And you know what? And you can't figure it out. This is not for you to create in yourself. Nobody can do this. This is coming from him, from the heart of the Father God. The revelation is the knowledge of him. And look at verse 18. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. I love the Amplified. That you may know the hope to which he has called you. So there's a prayer out there for every single one of you that God would show you the hope that he has called you to. Every one of you have a place in that. It has to be revealed to you. You can't grow up and say, I want to be a fireman when I grow up. Come on. This is from the Spirit of God. Searching God's heart, the Jeremiah 29, 11 thing. What is it in there that God has ordained for you before there was ever a planet? So this is coming from left field. So I'm praying that you would find out the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. His inheritance is in you. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. For above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only this age, but that which is to come. Look at verse 22. And he's put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body. Look at the last line of this entire thing. His body is the fullness of him who feels all in all. Now, that is something I don't think we ever really think about. In fact, it kind of blows my mind. The fullness of him. 
So we have the fullness of the Father. We have the fullness of the Son. We have the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And they are praying that you would become the fullness of them. That's a mind blower to me. I, I, I cannot fathom that. Especially as we walk together in the church, you know, we're all knuckleheads. You know, honestly, have y'all, find, y'all find that out yet? You're knuckleheads. It isn't just the one you're, you're with. It's everyone. The only answer for us, we're hopeless. The only answer for us is to love us. It's the only way through it. <coughs> if you don't love them, you will kill them. Right? Or leave them. Leave them for somebody else or another fool to deal with. It's the only way through. It's to love them. And that's what God figured out. That the only answer to our lousy condition was to love us. Do you realize how bad you are? I mean, I, I know how bad I am. Did you get this? The only answer Injustice, the only answer for any sin, name a sin, what you think is a big sin or a little sin. It don't matter. The only answer, justice-wise, for that sin is death. You think about that. That's the only solution. So, you all feel Busted. And I mean, all the time we wake up to being that way. Agreed? If you don't think so, get married. Right? Boom! You find out each other's stuff. And the only answer other than death is to love them. And that's what God chose. And he has to choose it all the time. So if every little bitty sin, every little bitty one deserves death, how can he say that we are to become his fullness? That the whole thing is going to center on us and we're making or break it for him. That's unbelievable. Sometimes I, I don't, I think if we could just grasp how, what a tragic situation we were all in, we would start being thankful. I mean, seriously, we would quit complaining about anything. Who gives a rip what color the carpet is? Well, some of us do. <laughs> You get my point? We fight over stupid stuff. And he's overlooking everything. He amazes me. He amazes me. So when you really get it and make it personal, how can you fight with anyone over anything? Honestly. No, amen. Okay, I want to hammer this until you get it. 
I just, I, I'm struck by it all. And, uh, of course, you know, all men, we go around them dead gum women. And women, who needs a man? <laughs> well, we all need each other. We're the body. The fullness of him. Wow. What a miracle. What a miracle. You talk about the wonderful works of God. That's a miracle. Well, if that's the truth, what must he do to get us functioning that way? Amen? You get it? There's got to be, you're not going to just fall off of a log and make this happen. It ain't that simple. Now, in this last chronos, there are several kairoses, things he will do during this last period of time. We've spoken to several of them. But I think the one that we are on right now is he has bringing us to the process where we can become these wonderful works of God witnesses and the fullness of him. The process. Let's talk about the process. How significant is it that you enter into the hope to which he has called you? And this is the hope to which he has called you, by the way. The fullness of him. Nothing less than that. What's required? What must happen? And what does it do to the creation itself? Look over in Isaiah 6. And I want to read you something here that one of these commentators, these lexicons that I have wrote, I couldn't, I couldn't say it as well as this guy. My God. Isaiah 6. You know, Isaiah was a prophet, one of the most amazing of prophets of all time. I mean, his writings are unbelievable. And look at the caption above chapter 6. Isaiah is called to be a prophet. So what we have here is that moment where Isaiah realizes his calling. He gets the vision of his calling. Okay? What happens when one man gets the vision of his calling? Great question. And that, that could be you. Look what happened to this man. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two his feet, with two he flew. Look at verse 3. When Isaiah saw the vision of his calling, he saw this. One cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth. Is full of his glory. That's what these guys wrote. When Isaiah witnessed the vision of his call, the whole earth was full of the glory of God. Fullness came when he saw his call. And it wasn't just fullness to him. The whole earth was full of what? The glory of God. Can you think you do you think you have that type of an effect upon number one, God and his glory, and number two, the earth? Do you think that you might? 
And then on he goes, you know, they said, who's going to go? They said, well, send me. His call was this thing. He saw that go, oh, wow. And all he could see was the whole earth was full of the glory of God because of his call. And you're called to be the fullness of him. I think him would fill the whole earth with his glory. You are his body. Golly, this blows my mind. Is it, is it true? Is that too much of a stretch to say that if you get the vision of your call, it affects the whole earth with the glory of God? Is that too much of a stretch, really? It blows my mind. It needs to be in the Bible, don't you think? Look over in Numbers. Chapter 14. I miss the old days when you hear Bibles, you know, the pages flipping. You don't have none of that anymore. Y'all are so boring. <laughs> Who said that? Tired people. Yeah, right. Well, if it's true that one man's vision of his calling brings glory to God, brings the glory of God to the whole earth, then we should see it here as well when a whole nation fails to enter their vision. And that's what happened here in Numbers 14. The generation, the first generation out of Egypt comes to the promised land to which they were called to do. And they said, no, can't do it. Can't do it. And so kind of made God mad. And he says this in verse 21. Truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. You guys ain't going to do it. But I'm telling you, it's going to get done in verse 22. Because all these men who have seen my glory in the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have put me to the test now these ten times, have not heeded my voice, they certainly shall not see the Lamb which I spoke, swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those re- who rejected me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me in fullness, fully, I will bring into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. So my point is, Isaiah saw it and went into it, and the glory of the Lord filled the earth. A generation failed to enter into their calling, and the glory of the Lord was removed. He said, but I ain't stopping. Your failure will not stop my call. I'll find someone who will. And the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. And he, he definitely tags the glory of the Lord being put up with someone who goes in into their calling. God gets glory when you enter into your calling. We already sang that song that Terry McCallum, I give glory to your name. Oh Lord, how do you do it? By entering into the vision of your calling. That brings glory to God. It's not just words from your lips. It's what you do. You walk in faith. You deal with a giant. You deal with a fear. You overcome. You say yes when it doesn't look very promising to the home team. You get up and you do it anyway. That brings glory to God. He looks for someone like that. He finds few. 
You say, oh, it can't be. Oh, it cannot be. Really? Did not Jesus say, you are the light of the world? Did he say that? That's in the Bible. You brings the glory of God to this earth. If you'll do it. Now, I tell you what, it's a high call. I'm telling you the truth, folks. It's a high call. And it's a holy call. When he saw the glory, Isaiah, he also saw there's holiness around this place. And if you go waltzing in there with your dad got flesh hanging out, good luck. Yes. Amen. There's going to be some smoke. And there's going to be an outdoor grill going on. <clears throat> I don't particularly like the smell of flesh burning. But that's what will happen. We're called to it. Go back to Isaiah. Isaiah. Chapter 6 again. We see the vision of his calling. Look at verse uh, 8. And here's God doing it. I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who shall go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. So he's sent into his calling. Look at chapter 8, verse 18. He's speaking, Isaiah. Here I am. And the children whom the Lord has given me, we are for signs and wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts. So he not only got his calling, God gave him children of the call. And we become signs and wonders, the light of the world, the salt of the earth. We become that. This is unto you, city of refuge. I'm telling you the truth. God read that scripture to me in a dream one night. He was being very personal. He's saying it to me. I and the children that the Lord has given me are for signs and wonders. So get a load of your call. Amen? Why are we going over there in the heartbeat of the city? Where all the sinners are. Well, duh. Why wouldn't we? Wouldn't you go where the fish are? How many of you are fishermen? I know you're a fisherman. Anybody else a fish? You don't go to some salt lake and fish. You go where the fish are. And I made you fishermen of men. All right, so we're, we're on a threshold of what has been prophesied for a long time. The great harvest. I made you fishermen of men. So it's coming. All right? Step up your game. Well, what kind of pressure do you think that puts on us? What kind of test do you think is required of us? Tick, tock, tick, tock. Is it coming? Whoa. He's here. There's another word for uh, fullness in the Old Testament. It's called malay. Same as play Rama in the New Testament. I love this. Fullness is what it means. Um, it also means this. To consecrate someone. Uh, a literal Hebrew term for it is to fill your hand. To fill your hand with the sacrifices that you need. To consecrate. Ordained. 
it's used in terms of building the temple. Look over in uh, First Chronicles chapter 29. You'll see that word being used. First Chronicles 29. They were going to build God a house, a temple. David had got all the money together. It was time to do it. Kind of like what's going on with us. Kind of. And everybody who had something to give was supposed to bring it now. Gifts, materials, talents. We have uncovered a talent of washing by pig pen over there. Sparky. <laughs> I love this guy. I mean, he is a walking movie. So here's, here it is. What must it, what must it take from us to be used by God in his fullness? It's right here. Verse five. David said, y'all bring all your stuff. Verse five, the gold for the things of gold, the silver for things of silver, and all kinds of work to be done by the hands of craftsmen. Who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? Male. Who then is willing to be the fullness of Christ? Who, who is willing to offer up his hands that God may fill his hands and then him do it? Who's willing? That's the real question. Who is willing? Are you willing? Or do you just want to play on the edges? I mean, it's, it's a personal question. I'm not, not going to, you know, nail anybody. I just nail everybody. Who's willing? And you know, words are cheap. Did y'all hear that? Words are cheap. By their works, by their fruit, you will know them. Amen? Are you doing it? Or are you just... I tell you what, if you're not doing it, this right here is usually negativity coming out of your mouth. Think God hears that? Ooh, that was a cheap shot, Larry. No, I thought it was a really good shot. Nailed it. Well, look at Luke. I'm going to tie something together here for you. When I had this dream, God, what a dream that was. And I wake up, and God just gives me this word. I just write it down. Fullness. And, and the part that got me was, okay, he says, because you have been with me all this time, and I was speaking mainly about the older guys, because you've been faithful, now fullness can come. God, I just went, whoa. And then he gave me several things about what fullness means. It's not lollipops and, you know, parties. It's the fullness of God. Part of the fullness of God, guess what part of the fullness of Christ was? Hanging on a cross. How about that one? Was it the fullness of Christ? You betcha. It redeemed you. So it had power. He could save that every single thing wrong in your life deserves death. He became that sin for you. God, what a job. All right? So here he is. 
Because you walked with him all this time, now fullness can come for us. Amen? And, of course, that reminds me of this scripture we're going to read. It's almost a verbatim deal of it. Look at And it's the Last Supper. Jesus is done now. He's trained these guys. For three years, he showed them everything that he knows. Well, say the few. He said the Holy Spirit has some more work to do. But he's shown them the essence of it all. He's given them the kernels of truth. And so here they are, you know, and he's telling me, hey, you guys, don't, don't try to be great in the kingdom. If you want to be great, be the servant of all. Try that one on. And they're still fighting over that. But verse 28, he finally says this. But you are those who have continued with me in my trials or in my testings. Does that sound like the dream I had? Because you've been with me all this time. Now fullness can come. See how similar this is. This is, you are those who continued with me in my trials, and I bestow upon you a kingdom, fullness, just as my Father bestowed upon me, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Now, does that sound like a calling for these twelve? And what you would call for sure a full calling. Pretty big, I would say. So, I love this word, bestow. It's a combination of two words in the Greek. Dia and tithemi. Dia. The word dia is a preposition. It's the avenue through which something happens. It's the reason for something happening. So, what is the reason for Dia is faithfulness is the reason for it. Because you were faithful. Because you stuck it out. Mainly, most of you. You stuck it out. I am going to do something now through that faithfulness that you have shown me. Amen? And what he says to these guys, I'm going to tithe me. Now, you. And what that word means, I love this word, to appoint something to you. For them, it was this judgment, you know, thrones. I want to appoint you. It's the idea, and I love this phrase, it is the idea of making someone something. I'll make you less. And to a judge over Israel. I'll make you Michael. A psalmist. Through what? Your faithfulness. You've shown me. You have what I can use. And through that avenue that you've shown. I'm going to make you. Into something. Okay. Your calling. It's a great word. Well. What is the process of making us the fullness of Christ? Well, it's through our faithfulness he's going to have to do this. but And the call is unbelievable. What is the cost of that calling? <laughs> Quit jumping the ship, man. <laughs> Spoiler, you saw the movie, didn't you? 
You're right. <laughs> there is a cost and a process here, and we see it immediately. Let's just read the, 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 He's set them up. And he's already taught them, quit acting like you're better than each other. That's what preceded this thing he gave them. And then verse 31. And the Lord says, Simon, Simon, indeed the Lord has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. That I, but I prayed for you. He didn't, I didn't tell the devil, no, I just, I prayed for you. Good luck, dude. That your faith should not fail. That's the prayer. I've been praying that for a lot of you. That your faith would not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny three times that you even know me. What kind of pride did that guy have? I mean, seriously. You just think about it. You can meditate on this one later. How much pride was he dealing with? I mean, for most of you, just the thought of being rebuked publicly one time is enough to make you run like a dog. I mean, ladies, for y'all especially, oh, don't ever, don't ever do that in public. Right, guys? Well, women, come on. You know you, if your husband ever outs you publicly. That's a female laugh. Okay, I got one. There's one honest woman amongst you. Should I ask your husband? Has he ever had this conversation? Why? Why is that such a big deal? Thank you. That was a female voice from somewhere. Thank you. God help you all. And that's terrible. But it ain't nothing compared to this guy. Three times in front of everybody. The people who matter. Three times. And Peter is as blind to it as a goose in a hailstorm. Or something like that. Is that a word? Is that a phrase? It is now. My God. You would think after the first one, he'd go, hey, did he say something about this? And maybe start running. Oh, no. He was convinced that he was better than the rest of them. Even the whole world could betray you. So after the second one, you would think, Two witnesses is plenty. The Bible says, let everything be established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. I'm good with two. Especially witnesses like that. Oh, no. No, no, no. Double down. And the third one got him. And he got him so bad that he ran and he hid. And he didn't think he'd ever be worthy to be even around Jesus. But you know what his calling was? To lead them all. To lead them all. So let's go back to the sifting. 
heard a guy, a prophet say this the other day. He says, I'm not going to pray that you get out of the sifting. The sifting is good for you. The sifting is what takes the wheat or the corn, the actual thing we're looking for, and brings it and separates it from that which we don't need. Okay, so why should I pray that you not go through it? You need to go through it. The interesting thing is, what is the chaff that you're being separated from? What is the chaff? It's the husk of a, of a corn. It's that which has been there your whole life. It has supported you. It has protected you. It is not trusting God, but trusting you. Amen? So whatever it is that makes you self-sufficient, he's coming at that. And for the longest time, it wasn't necessarily an issue at all because it supported you. Amen? Are y'all hearing what I'm trying to say here? It was there all along. But all along, he loved you anyway. Oh, that is, wow, how did you do that? How did you love me like that? Well, when he starts talking about the sifting and all that kind of stuff, we do know what Jesus was. John the Baptist said this about Jesus. Y'all remember the, the one that's coming after me? Turn that real fast. Chapter 3 of Matthew. Verse 11. John the Baptist said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand. He will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Now, what I'm talking to you about here today, this sifting process, is not being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's being baptized with fire. They're two different things in my book. Jesus, later, look at Mark 10 real fast. Mark 10. As they were approaching this time, this last supper time, he asked them, they, they were still... Fighting about who's the greatest, and you know, and James and John pulled a real bonehead move. Said, "Let us be the right hand and left side of you," and made everybody mad. But verse thirty-eight, Jesus said to them, "You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with?" And he was talking about the baptism of fire, because a little bit earlier he was talking about he still had a baptism ahead of him, and how it was messing with him. He had already been baptized. The Holy Spirit had already come on him. This is three years later. He's talking about another baptism of fire. And how it bugs me until it's done. And then he turns to these guys who wants to be his disciples, his children, his signs and wonders, his fullness, and says, can you do it too? And they say, yeah. They're like, gosh, they're idiots. (laughs) And he says, right answer. That's the right answer. You will be baptized. Get ready for the sifting. Some of you are there now. Right there. Do not run from him. Run to him. Amen? You're going to find love there. Then you need to change. Quit living for yourself. Please.
It's not about you. It's about his kingdom. He wants witnesses in his kingdom, and that's you. But as long as you make it about you, you're going to keep failing. You hear that? You will keep failing. Your flesh cannot stand in his presence. And he is coming in his fullness. Everybody with me? You understand? Say, I understand, teacher. Yes, sorry, rat. I'm just sharing. I really want you to get this. So much. I mean, I just want you to get this, but I want you to understand the heart of God. He does this because he's proud of you. If I can use that word, proud of you. Not everybody makes it this far. These 12 did, and even one of them failed at the end. How many people started out with him? Multitudes. Many are called. Few are chosen. And the choosing depends on you. You're the chooser. Amen? All right, just bow your heads. Let me pray for you. God, I pray for these people. It's not an accident that you led them here to this church. And we're not saying any more than, you know, God, you did all this. And the truth be known, if we had known beforehand that you were going to do all this, we would have run. We would have run. I would have run. Try to run many times. But you're good. And you know what you called us to. And you desire a church that can be a witness for you. You desire it. And you're waiting anxiously to show yourself strong on their behalf. I know you are. And they will do this, God. Many of them will go through this. I Pray for them, God. Not that you take them out of it. Keep them in it. Strengthen their faith. Strengthen their faith. It's by faith that we please you. By faith we secure these things. Make their faith pure. We know that fire hurts, but it also purges and purifies Let that be the result for them. That they would be jewels in the hands of God. Literally a jewel in his crown. The fullness of you. Let this be in his name. Amen. Amen. Tonight at six.